we're naming tonight Hot Buttons. And uh, this is not Hot Buttons 2. That'll be next week. This is Hot Buttons Continued Part 1. So, <laughs> and, and I told Donna and Emma, I said, one course only. I said, because I got to get through with this one tonight. And, and uh, But just to go back and recap just a little bit about what we were talking. Of course, we're, we're speaking on holiness from his perspective. And uh, that's been the title of our series. And I, I will always contend holiness begins on the inside and then it comes to the outside. If it doesn't start on the inside, there will come a day you will question why you do what you do. Even when it begins on the inside, you will, you will question at some point why you do what you do. But if it began on the inside as a conviction, as a belief, as something that you feel that, you, that God has revealed to you from his word, uh, then it makes the questions, the internal questions, a lot easier to answer. Because we all, at one point or other, will go through seasons of questioning why we do what we do. Of course, our scripture text, 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Thank you all for that course. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. And uh, thank you so much for that tonight. Because that is my wish, that is my desire, is to be, is to be holy before the Lord. Um, Keith, I think I told you we would begin. And he's got a copy of my notes. Michael's not here. So I'm handicapped tonight. I'm stuck with Keith. And... Uh, <laughs> Now, Michael will love that, so uh, no, we're going to start on about, about the middle of page 10 uh, of my notes. But we, uh, we, just to back up and recap a little bit, uh, I, there are about seven targets that I, that I see uh, that have been what we call hot buttons uh, through, the, through the years. Of course, one of them, and of course it's been something that we have dealt with uh, in the past couple of years, men's beards. Um, you know, there, there was a time when men's beards were, were extremely controversial. And I've seen them be controversial from both ends of the spectrum, to have a beard or not to have a beard. Uh, as I shared with you at the at the end of the 19th century, rolling into the 20th century, in other words, the late 1800s, early 1900s, if a man did not have a beard, he was considered effeminate. And, um, and I have done a lot of search in Scripture. I cannot find any place where beards on men are, are forbidden. And last Wednesday night when I said that, I got a great amen from Cody, and uh, he got chastised by his wife later for that. So, <laughs> oh, goodness. But men's beards. Then I went into men's hair. Um, you know, that it, uh, Scripture says it's a shame for a man to have long hair, and, and we talked about all of that. Tonight, we're going to deal with women's hair. And uh, then... If we make it to next Wednesday night, we'll do women's apparel. Uh, 
And, and, it, and, it, and, and don't say, don't sit here and think I'm going to teach on all these things as them being forbidden. I'm going to teach what does scripture say about these things. Okay? Why? Because I promise you, there's some of you sitting on the pews right now that are following teaching that you've heard through the year, but through the years, but you have no idea where it's found in the book. And I'm not saying that to put you down. It's just you've been obedient saints of God. And uh, you've, you've honored pastors before, whether it was here or some church somewhere else. But you've, you've honored the word that you've heard and you've, you've, uh, you've just done what you've heard preached. Um, I'll never forget, and we talked about extreme theologies last week. I'll never forget one year we were at mom and daddy's and it was Christmas and and so Gary and Sharon and the boys Chris and Lance and me and Donna and Keith and, uh, we were all there and Sharon and, and Chris especially I think were the ones that brought what's that card game Uno Some, something like that and mama was sitting there on the couch and mama said my lord Yeah, she said, I hope Brother Labatt, or some of them, of course, they were dead and gone. Brother Labatt, Brother Brown, and some of them, hope they don't come walking. Well, they were already buried at that time. They, they wouldn't, if they came in, we would have had another problem. <laughs> but uh, and I looked at Mama, I said, why? She said, they playing cards. I said, what's the problem with cards? Well, we were just always taught you just didn't do that. You just don't play cards. And some of you, y'all can relate. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you were just taught that way. And, uh, and I said, where does it say in the Bible we can't play cards? And Mama said, it doesn't matter what the Bible said. She said, that's just the way we were always taught. And her words were, if the preacher said it, you didn't question it. Well, I'm sorry. That don't work in the 21st century. Uh, it's easy for things to be questioned. So <clears throat> let's move on to the middle of page 10, Keith. And so I want to talk about women's hair. And some of you have been waiting for me to get here. And uh, in fact, I've already had been threatened that I need to if I don't say the right thing, somebody's coming after me. And I, I wouldn't call Brenda Duran's name for anything. I mean, I just wouldn't do it. Uh, okay. 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. Okay, I talked about this in the men's hair. When it says it was a shame for a man to have long hair, I said it, 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 it automatically brings up the question, how long is long? You know, and, I, and somebody, you know, years ago, they said, well, long as it's, you know, if, if man's hair is down over his shirt collar, it's, I said, well, you can't, they didn't wear collars. They wore robes, you know, and so I, I said, that would be a good point of reference today, but we're talking about what does the Bible say about this? And so we, we flesh that out in the men's hair, but whenever you say a woman's hair, it's long hair, uh, 
it's a glory to her. Um, I stop and think about this. My mom's hair never grew below her shoulders. Aunt Burnell, I don't think yours is below your shoulders. And they've never cut their hair, never have. So if I'm going to use this scripture as a woman's hair has to be a certain length before it's called long, then that means my mom and Aunt Burnell can't go to heaven because their hair is not long. They just, just never grew past their shoulders. Now, God was the one that created them, okay? So I can't in any way put that down. Uh, when Donna and I married, her hair was down almost to the back of her knees. And now it's about to her waist, but uh, she's never cut her hair. It's just, well, you know, we get older. She's a lot older than me. And she, you know, we get older and her hair's getting thinner. And, and of course, just through the, through the years of it breaks. Y'all know about all that. You women know more about that than I do. Uh, but her hair is probably somewhere around her waist uh, now. But let's look at verse 15 in conjunction with verse 14 that I read uh, last Wednesday night. And so let's read verses 14 and 15 together. It says, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. Now, I want us to understand something. A distinction in the sexes is evident here. <clears throat> but there's more going on here than men having short hair and women having long hair. There's a lot more going on here. In order to find out what the Apostle Paul is really talking about here, let's read the verses prior. And in, in a matter of this importance, it's imperative we understand the perspective to which Paul is writing from. So it's going to be a lengthy reading, and we're just going to kind of wade our way through it. Uh, but I want to go back to the very, begin, the very beginning of 1 Corinthians 11. Because if we don't do that, all I'm, going to be, all I'm going to be doing is leaving you with a bunch of questions in your mind, and I'm going to be putting Band-Aids or tape on certain issues, propping them up. But I want you to understand the fundamental reason why things have been taught the way they have through the years. And, and I'm not going, let me just say it like this. If you're waiting for me to come out and just say, this is the way we're going to do it in this church, I'm not going to do that. My intent is for you to, you've got to decide for yourself. Y'all know it's never been my style to just get up here and just say, bless God, this is the way you're going to do it in my church or you can go somewhere. That's no, uh-uh. I don't have the right to do that. But I'm going to tell you what this says. And if you want to argue with this, argue with this. Don't, don't argue with me about it, but you argue with this. <clears throat> Let's go to verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11. <clears throat> it says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. This is Paul speaking. He said, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances I have delivered them unto you. And, all right, at this point, 
chapter 10 back to chapter 1, there's other things that have been going on. Now he's changing the subject flow, and he's going to talk about some other things. So keep the ordinances I've delivered to you. Verse 3, but I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is, is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now we can't miss what is being said here in this third verse. What Paul is introducing here is God's order. God's order is being established and it's it's important for us to understand this order and we're going to see some things over the next 13 verses. The Greek word being interpreted here for the word head is kephle or kephale I think would be the best way to say it with a Grant Parish accent. And it simply means head. That's all, it's, that's all it means. It means head. It doesn't give us any other clarification of whether it's talking about your head or, as Scripture was saying, the head of every man is Christ. Is it talking about headship or is it talking about the head? Both of those heads from verse 3 is using the Greek word kephale, okay? So it simply means head. In the case of verse 3 in the next 13 verses, we have to accept the possibility it is talking about both headship and the head. Because in verse 3, verses 3 and 4, both uses of the word head are being used, head and order. Every prayer, every man praying or prophesying, verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Okay, there's two schools of thought here that are being shown. A man praying or prophesying with his head covered dishonors his head. First position, man is dishonoring his own head. Now, I don't know what that would mean. To say he's dishonoring his head. I mean, what could I do that would show that I'm dishonoring this? I think the second position is really the the is is the proper interpretation. Since Christ is shown here as being the head of man, then does the possibility exist that man is dishonoring Christ, man's head? Centuries ago, it became a custom, and the custom was based upon these passages of Scripture, that when someone was praying, all the men, and y'all know this, removed their hats or any covering that they had on their head. If you didn't, you were, you were considered being disrespectful and rebellious. <clears throat> okay? But let's look at verse 5. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Now here we go again of the positions of headship. First position, 
is the woman dishonoring her own head. Again, I can't see because what can you do to dishonor your head? Okay? So I think the second position is the one that is proper. Is the woman dishonoring her husband, which is her head according to verse 3. Now for years, we've jumped on this on these words shorn and shaven and we have used and misused the Greek uh, to validate our point of view we've debated the validity of the theology that a woman should not cut her hair and there's been many 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 books written and things uh, and they've used the the Greek terms for shorn and and shaven and all of this and and yes I know what they mean whether a woman should or should not cut her hair is not the point here. If you follow the flow of verses 1 through 16 of 1 Corinthians 10, you're going to find out real quickly that that's not the point. The point is God's order. Okay? He established that in verse 3. It's God's order. And man and woman's submission to God's order. A man submits to God's order by not covering his head. A woman submits to God's order by allowing her long hair to be her covering. Okay? Now, I know the first question is, well, well Brother Bruce, what, what is your conviction on this? I mean, what, what do you believe? And I don't mind telling you that. Uh, mine and Donna's conviction on a woman's hair, Donna does not cut her hair. She doesn't even trim it. Now, I'm not even thinking of it, so don't anybody think. I, I could leave here and go pastor a church of, of any stripe, and whether it could be ultra-liberal, ultra-conservative, and you're going to find Bruce and Donna doing what Bruce and Donna do. We don't do what we do because it's what you expect of us to do. Okay? We do what we do because it's our conviction. And I am responsible to the Lord. I'm responsible to the Lord to make sure that we carry out those convictions. So, Donna doesn't cut her hair, never has, never will. I will say this, when she hurt her back years ago, her hair needed to be washed. She couldn't wash it. She, she couldn't get her hands up. You know, what do you know, woman? Y'all know what you do. So she says, you've got to wash my hair. And so I picked her up, I laid her on the kitchen counter took her hair, I put it in the kitchen sink. I washed her hair. I used cream rinse. I did all of the things that I'm supposed to do. And we thought we would have to shave her head because I couldn't get the tangles out of it. And, and her back hurt her so bad and she's trying her best. Oh, I felt so terrible. I'll need just to say she's never asked me to wash her hair again after that. So, uh, 
That's our, con- that's our conviction, okay? That's our conviction. But I can't tell you that it is a heaven or hell issue if you do or do not cut or trim your hair. I haven't found that in the Word of God yet. But stay with me. Don't, don't kick me out yet. And don't say, well, I don't believe what he's preaching here. And, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to believe that. And, you know, I've always heard it. No, you stay with me. I know some of you are going back in your mind right now and would like to bring up the word shorn and shaven and what you know about the Greek and all of that. But understand, the hair being cut or not cut is not the principle here. The principle is order, and the hair is the symbol of the order, that will, and that will make more sense to you as we go into a few more verses. But I can hear some of you right now, but Brother Bruce, how do you come up with a personal conviction that a woman's hair is to be uncut? And that is a good question. Possibly the way Donna and I were raised could play into this. But Donna and me have been adults for a long, long time. We've been married now almost 45 years. A long time ago, we could have done what we wanted to do. There was nobody there to, to, I mean, we were our own man and woman. What she does with her hair is a shared conviction that we both have. My last bullet point on this particular point, remember I read to you verse 15 and it said, ladies, that your long hair was given to you as your glory. And remember I talked about common sense in some of this. If it's your glory, then why in the world do you want to mess with it? Okay? That's just one of the things that played into our mind. If God gave you that as your glory, understanding some of you women have very, very long hair. Some of you do not. But what God gave you, he gave you for a covering, and he gave it to you as your glory. So keep that in mind. Let's read on. Some of this, I'm going to tie it all together here in a little bit, so y'all just stay with me. For a man indeed, verse 7, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. Keith, can you go back and pull me up verse 3 real quick? But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. and The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Okay. When I read that last week, I had one of our ladies say, I'm not arguing with that. She said, "I I see that. She said, but, and she was a younger, younger lady. She said, but in the society I've grown up in, it makes me feel as if the man is more important to God than the woman is. And I don't know, there may be some, some others of you ladies, and especially when I pull in verse 7, and I say, for as much as, you're talking about the man, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Let's understand something here. And again, We'll pull it all together here in a few moments. What it's saying here, man 
was created from the dust. God formed man. Whether he spit on the dirt, whether he got water, some, I don't know how he did it, but he gathered dirt together. He created man. Man was created, and if I had time, we would go back and look at Genesis, where he says, let us go and make man in our image and our likeness. Man was complete, okay? God is neither male nor female. He is always referred to in the masculine in Scripture. But God is neither male nor female. He is complete. He is God. Man was created in God's image and God's likeness. But from man, man was created out of dirt. But from man, God pulled a bone. And he created woman. That's what it's talking about here. For as much as man is the image and the glory of God... Created in God's image and God's likeness. The woman is the glory. Adam said, and I think it's the end of chapter 2, where he says, I call her woman. She is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. She came out of man, and I call her woman. For some of you younger women, some of what I am reading may sound like extreme theology to you because our present society uh, wants to teach a different, and, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But you, you grew up in an environment and a society that says, I am woman, hear me roar. That's the, that's the, the, the voice of today. The first 16 verses of 1 Corinthians 10 destroys the manifesto of the feminist movement. It really does. And it's hard for us, after we have been indoctrinated by television since the mid-60s all the way up to now, stop and think about this with me for a minute. And I'm not trying to reposition men as being greater, and you will understand that the further I read, okay? Okay. But since the 60s, especially the 70s, all the new sitcoms, all of the new sitcoms begin to show men as being bumbling idiots. To the point now, in the last couple of years, men, there are men literally apologizing for being white and male. Now, that's current society. Now, if you don't believe me, you just go back and, and just look over the past couple of years and some of the things that has come down the, the society pike, I guess you would say. Men are being questioned from every... Look, I am proud to be a man. If I was black, I would be proud to be a man. If I was a, a Native American, I still would be proud to be a man. I am proud to be who I am because this is who God made me to be. And I don't have to answer to any of 21st century society. I don't have to answer to any of those. I am who I am and God made me who I am. And I'm very comfortable in who I am. And all, all of us should be that way.
But society and TV, especially movies, has, has reprogrammed our thinking or is attempting to reprogram our thinking. So why does that surprise us? The devil knows he hath but a short time, and he's unleashing every contradicting doctrine that he can against the word of God. He distorts and he takes things out of context. I still believe the head of every man is Christ. I still believe the head of every woman is man. And I still believe, just like verse 3 says, the head of Christ is God. I believe it just that way. Does that mean that a woman is subservient to a man? No, it does not mean that. And you will understand the further I go. Feminists say they can do anything a man can do and do it better, but not according to Scripture. Scripture says, in fact, that the woman is the weaker vessel. And you say, now, Brother Bruce, I thought we was talking about hair. We are. Just stay with me. The Word of God says the woman is the weaker vessel. Now, I know some of you women are sitting there saying, well, I tell you what, I used to whip my brothers, and I'm not pretty. I understand all that. I understand that. But it's not just talking about muscles, okay? I've, ta I've taught on this on numerous occasions. I've counseled this. We men are notorious for letting our wives just take care of everything. Not all the men are sitting there saying, Oh, God, what is he fixing to do now? <laughs> you know, there was a time in, in, in our marriage years ago when we didn't have two nickels we could hardly rub together. And, and finances were tough. Donna worried herself sick. She paid the bills back then. She worried herself sick about the bills. Do you know how I felt about it? I'll pay them as far as I go. I don't have any more money. So society, you know. That's the way a man's put together. A woman's not put together like that. Okay? A woman doesn't think in those terms. So my point in this is there are differences in the sexes. God made us to be of the male to be strong. He made the woman not to be subservient, but she needs her husband. Her husband is her covering. Okay? God created it the way he created it for the simple fact that's the way he made us. And he set order, his order, in place. Now let's, let's, let's go on and see what Paul is else has, has got to say about the rest of this. And, and my words are getting tangled up. Verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Hmm. It's almost... Sounds like I'm still on this feminist thing. In other words, man, though, is what it's saying here, is created of dirt. Woman is created of a bone removed from the man. You remember the old saying, God created man and looked down and said, I think I can do better? There could be some truth in that. I don't know. 
because that's what verse 8 is saying is that in other words man is created from dirt woman is created of bone removed from man verse 8 said for the man is not of the woman but the woman is of the man she came out of him verse 9 says neither was the man created for the woman but the woman for the man now I know okay 21st century society I'm destroying the feminist manifesto and even though you don't consider yourself feminist you still are affected by that thinking but remember God is establishing order verse 9 neither was man created for the woman but the woman for the man now think on that for a little bit remember the Apostle Paul is establishing God's order here the head of every man is Christ and the man praying or prophesying with his head covered dishonored his head according to verse 7 man is the image and the glory of God a woman on the other hand understands that her husband is her head and if she is shaved or shorn she dishonors her head or her husband listen this is so vital and this is so important a woman's submission to that order is reflected in how she wears her hair and some of you say really a woman's submission to her husband or to her head is reflected in how she wears her hair this is not the first time we have heard of a woman submitting to her husband as unto the Lord Ephesians 5 22 23 he tells the man love your wife he tells the woman submit to your husband God never told the woman to love her husband or to leave and cleave leave her father and mother and cleave to her doesn't but it tells the man love your wife and leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife I asked God one time why and over the course of a few weeks the Lord said if it said to me if a man loves his wife the way Christ loved the church she can't help but love him back okay now don't 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 sit there ladies and say well you don't know my husband okay There, in other words, what I'm saying is there's work to be done on, on, on all sides of this aspect. Us men need to learn how to be Christ in our families. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, as, I'm, I'm more death on that than I am anything. We've got to learn how to love unconditionally. I don't know what Donna could do that would cause me to say, I want a divorce and I'm serious about this I'm deathly serious about this because I'm to love her unconditionally now does that mean I just let her do what she wants to do and, and you know and then I'm, I'm supposed to be just a little old wimpy husband over here no I still believe in God's order that if I love her the way I'm supposed to love her she will feel fulfilled as a woman and she will never have to have anything besides me okay 
I know some of you may think that some of this is extreme theology. But if you think that is extreme, then wait for this. Verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Do you realize that most commentaries agree that they have no idea what the Apostle Paul is referring to here? And that's the truth. But if you look at chapter 10 from what it says, instead of what has been debated for years, then this verse is not hard to understand. Again, God, through Paul, is establishing order in the family. When God's order or chain of command is followed, then something very powerful begins to take place in the spirit world. And I could, there's a whole litany of sermons I could really begin to branch off from that one very simple bullet point. That's why God's order is a part of holiness. Holiness, well, no, I can't, I can't chase that rabbit right now. Look back at verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Power on her head, what does that mean? And since a commentary is nothing more than a man's opinion of what a verse means, I feel like my opinion is as good as Matthew Henry's or Barnes Notes or any of the rest of them. And I asked God, and this is what I felt God impressed me with several, several years ago. Remember the verse, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. The long hair had to do with the woman's submission to her husband. Hair was a symbol of her submission. We've already talked about that. When angels descend... This is what God gave me. When angels descend bearing blessings or answers to prayers or whatever we as humans may need or a great move of God begins to happen in a service, the first thing those angels look for is the symbol of submission. You say, now why is submission so important? This book can be interpreted in one word, and it's submission. You can't be filled with the Holy Ghost without submitting to God. You can't even be forgiven of your sins without submitting to God. You can't be healed without submitting to God and asking for His healing touch. Everything we need from Him, we get it through submission to him realizing he is greater than we are when angels descend bearing blessings or answers to prayer my mind went on this and let me just give you this Daniel for 21 days prayed and when the angel Michael showed up I believe it was Michael when he showed up he says I was withstood 21 days by the prince of Persia I've often preached and I've wondered, what would have happened if, if Daniel would have quit on day 20? I felt it was the 
power of the prayers of Daniel that fueled the victory that Michael was able to overcome the prince of Persia, that spirit world. In other words, and we've talked about this, we are engaged in the spirit world whether we want to admit that or not. What would have happened if Daniel would have quit on day 20, day 15, or any? I don't think we would have had this story in the Bible. But Daniel didn't. He persisted through day 21, and he would have gone to day 22 or day 23 if been necessary. But it was on day 21 that the angel showed up and said, I have been withstood for 21 days. God sent the answer 21 days ago. God uses angels. They are called ministering spirits. And when they move into a situation or into a service, the first thing they look for is God's symbol and God's order of submission. You've heard me say the Bible can be summed up in one word, submission. When angels move into a service, they are looking for submitted vessels to pour their blessings or their offerings into. There's a story that was in in our, um, and I'm going to run over just a touch tonight, but, but that's okay. I'm going to finish. Um, there was a story that was in our Challenger several years ago uh, of a woman, and she was down in South Louisiana. Her husband was in his mid to late 40s. He had a massive heart attack. They were a very close couple. Uh, he had a massive heart attack, and basically he died. They had him plugged up on, they were, they were keeping his body alive, is basically what they were doing. They'd already told the wife, you need to let us unplug him. There is no hope. There's no brain activity. He is, is clinically, he, he's alive, but really he's dead. We're simply keeping the heart beating. We're simply doing these things. And she looked at the doctor and she said, can I have till in the morning? And he told her, he said, yeah, I can give you that. And so the doctor allowed her to stay in his room there in ICU during the night. Now, this is not my story. This is a story that, that was in the Louisiana Challenger several years ago, and many of you read it. During the night, that woman sat there, and she kept a vigil, a vigil of prayer over her husband. No brain activity, he is dead. But the machines are keeping him alive. And all of a sudden, under inspiration, she reached up and she began to pull the pins out of her hair. And her hair was long. And once the hair was down, she leaned over the bed and she took her hair and draped it over her husband. And through weeping, she told God, I have always submitted to my husband, and I have submitted to the teachings of my church. I have never cut my hair. I did this as a sacrifice unto you. I ask you for my husband. I ask you for my husband. I need my husband. My children need their daddy. I ask you, take my faithfulness that I've, and however she said it, honor my faithfulness 
and let me have my husband back. Well, when the doctor came in the next morning to receive her permission to unplug, he was astounded when he walked in and the man was sitting on the side of the bed. Totally functional. Totally alive. You say, well, that's a great story. It's a great story. I asked permission to use this one. Sister Cindy, and this happened sometime after that story came out. It was Cindy did it based off of that story, but David was having some health issues. And he called her from somewhere. And of course, you know, David's a trucker. And David was having some health issues. And, and of course, he's not home. And she's worried about her husband. And, and he's suffering and he's struggling. And she got ready to go to bed that night. She was laying there in bed and she went to praying. And she took his pillow. She took her hair. She draped it over the pillow. And she prayed something very, very similar. Now, there was no angel choir that came into the bedroom and, you know, there was no beautiful harmony. In fact, it was a couple of weeks later that David was telling her, you know, I haven't been bothered with that now. And, And they got to comparing notes and she told him what she had done. They got to comparing notes. And he believes it was the same night. Now, let me say this. What if that had been my mother or Sister Briggs that didn't have a long, lot of long hair to drape over their husband? I can't say the length of the hair is where the miracle came from. The miracle came from submission. Understand that. She was submitted to her husband. She was submitted to her God. And that's where the miracle came in. It was through the order of submission. Now Paul jumps back into the order of man and woman. For clarity, he is making it clear that the woman is not subservient. And I've been, I know some of you are anxious for me to get here to this. Verse 11, nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman, but all things of of God. In other words, it takes a woman to give birth. And women give birth to male children. So before us men can get too impressed with ourselves, we have to realize God has order in what he does, and the woman is important as well, okay? Verse 13, judge in yourself, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory unto her. And all of a sudden, that word glory is beginning to resonate whenever I think about the order of submission. For her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now, there's a lot of people who don't know what that verse means. A lot of commentaries don't know what that means. But let's finish this process, and I'm done. 
I have heard people use this 16th verse. Let me, let me read it again. But if any man seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. I have heard people use the 16th verse as saying, if you don't really believe all the stuff that I've been saying, then let's not be contentious over it. Let's, let's just move on to something else. Because how long is long and, and all of these other things that we can get in, the Greek and, and, and Hebrew and all of these things. But let me, let me clarify something. That's not what verse 16 is saying at all. Remember, Paul is writing to the Gentile church at Corinth. And what he is telling them is, some of you are headstrong in continuing your own Gentile Roman customs. And in that day, it was customary for women to cut their hair like men. Why? I don't know. I guess it was a fashion thing, just like today. I, I don't know. But what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth, in the Hebrew church, the church at Jerusalem, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have always kept the order as described. Men wore short hair as their symbol of submission to Christ. In the Hebrew church at Jerusalem, the women wore their hair long as a symbol of their submission to their husbands. What he is saying is, we have no contention in this matter in the church of Jesus Christ. We settled this issue a long time ago. Now you're trying to bring a new custom into the church. That's what he's saying in verse 16. But if any man seemed to be contentious, we have no such custom. In other words, we have no such custom in the Hebrew church, which is where this church came from, okay? I close with this. If you're still in decision or confused in this matter, praying God will direct you. But here's something I want you to keep in mind. Sometimes he may just want to know what are you willing to give to him as your sacrifice? Well, Brother Bruce, what if, what if I can't decide whether it's right or wrong? I would err on the side of conservatism. In, in other words, if I can't decide whether I should cut or not cut my hair. And that question is in your mind and it's consuming you. Then why don't you, if you're going to error, why don't you just go ahead and leave your hair alone? And just let God help you. And let God help you with some of these issues. Err on the side of conservatism. Offer it as a sacrifice. I remember, and some of you remember this, Sister Cheryl Riddick. Her and, and Terry had come, and they were still very active in Cameroon, West Africa. They were here on deputation, or maybe I just had them here to preach. I don't remember. But she made a statement. She said, a long time ago, I give up debating holiness issues. She said, now what I do, I do it as a sacrifice unto the Lord. 
Whether you're male or whether you're female, there are sacrifices that we all need to be making to the Lord. When I began last Wednesday night, I made one of the statements I made is there ought to be some things in your life that you gave up to the Lord that you can't find it in the book. And I talked to you about my, my wedding band and how I can't wear jewelry. I mean, and of course, there's reasons behind that. I'm not going into all that tonight. But I can't do it. God won't allow it. But I can't tell you, you can't wear a wedding band or you can't wear, you know, a flashy watch. All of my watches are black, every one of them. I can't wear it. Now, God did not deliver me of my bright colored ties. I like bright colored ties. But, uh, so I still do that. I know I've not answered your questions. I know some of you wanted me to take a, a, a firm position. But scripturally, me taking a firm position, and if you would have chosen to obey me, then you wouldn't have been doing it as unto the Lord. What I ask you to do is seek the Lord. I read verses 1 through 16 of 1 Corinthians 10, and I broke it up as I read it. I ask you this between now and Sunday, take 1 Corinthians 10 and read it in every translation you can find from verses 1 through 16. There's more than, than 16 verses in 1 Corinthians 10. Am I what I say? Okay. Whichever chapter it's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> Now, I've got to, I gotta, I gotta make sure. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, you're right. There are more verses than 16. There, but at 16, at verse 17, the subject matter changes. But it's still tied in. But I, I ask you, read verses 1 through 16. Read them in the flow that Paul wrote them. Let God talk to your heart. And I believe you will find God speaking to you about more than just hair. Good Lord, y'all, God's got so much for us. He's got so much for us. But in order for us to live in the realm that he wants us, we have got to submit everything to him. Have I helped anybody tonight? Did I... Did I do anything? Did I do anything bad tonight? <laughs> that we, you know, just I, I, I don't want to do that. But and seriously, if you've got questions and you want to talk to me about them, I'll be more than happy to do that. And uh, just make an appointment. We'll we'll sit down. We'll talk about them. Uh, I'll help you with anything. I can help you on that. Next week we're going to jump into apparel. And what does Scripture say about? men's and women's apparel. All right? God bless you. Stand with me. And I, Okay, I'm only two minutes over. It's 8.02. Let's just lift our hearts and our hands to the Lord right now and just ask him to bless. In the name of the Lord Jesus, God, I give you thanks and I give you praise tonight. And I just give you thanks for this opportunity to share your word and what I feel that you've given me to share to your people. God, I ask you to bless and I ask you to touch. 
I ask you to help each one as we, as we listen to your word and we try to understand it to the best of our ability. I ask you to help us come to the place that we hold convictions on the things that we decide that we can do and we can't do. I ask that your word and your spirit guide us in all things. Above all else, I must be saved. And if I'm going to be saved, it has to be your way. And I give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. Why don't you give the Lord a hand praise? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you for being here. I hope this helped you in some way.